0: Would you please open to 1 Corinthians chapter 2? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Give you a moment to get over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And before we start reading, just uh, going to ask a question. The Bible says that God cannot lie. The Bible also says that it is impossible for God to lie. So then the question would be, do we believe that God cannot lie? I think all of us would say, yes, I believe that. God cannot lie. He's God. That being so, do our lives reflect a belief that God can't lie? Because how we live, it it reveals whether or not we believe that God cannot lie. A lot of times, Christians base their reactions on what they see and how they interpret what they see and experience beyond what God has said, or instead of what God has said. So, do we believe that God cannot lie? Well, you know, uh, in, an, in another place in the Scripture, it talks about, you know, we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, you can't do that, not really the way God wants if you don't believe that God cannot lie. Now let's begin reading here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Just pick it up in verse 16. Albeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Now this may seem very simple, but it is huge. Another way to say this would be, That which we teach you, we teach wisdom, truth among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom or the truth of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. He's identifying right here that there are, I'll just call it, two paths. World wisdom and God's wisdom. Or the wisdom that is not of this world. That's really important. And he continues and says in verse 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So he's saying that what we're teaching to you is something that God had ordained before the foundation of the world for those who are born again, for them to know this wisdom to receive it. And when he says we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, you can't do that if it's still hidden and if it's still a mystery. You can only do that if now uh, say it like this, you know, if the library is now open and you can come in and read whatever. And he says which, verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, I'm not going to get into all the nuances of every verse in here, but I do want to point something out. Uh, let's just say a different perspective on um, verse 8. Just, just one of these, you know, eh, think of it like this for a change. Which none of the princes of this world knew. What is it they did not know? Well, they did not know this wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom. He says, because if they had known it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. So another way to say that would be if they had been the way God wanted man to be. Well, how did God want man to be? In his likeness, in his image. Having his life in nature. If they had had His life and nature, well, they would have known this wisdom. And therefore, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. There wouldn't have been any need to. You understand what I'm getting at? Because if they had known this, well then, there would have been no need for Jesus to come here because we would already have in us that life and nature that Jesus came in order for us to be able to receive. Are you understanding what I'm getting at here? Just a different way to look at this. But he says here in verse 9, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That means something has to happen in order for your eye to see, your ear to hear, and for it, that wisdom, to enter into your heart. And, and he begins. He clarifies it in uh, verse 10. He says, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Well, he's not talking about the Holy Ghost there. He's talking about your born-again spirit. And how that He reveals this wisdom, this hidden wisdom, this mystery. God reveals it to us on a spiritual level. Our born-again spirit. And he says, because our born-again spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Okay, that's really important to remember. Because this really is a kingdom key. Now here's what I mean. Our born-again spirit is yearning for the things of God. The deep things of God. Our born-again spirit is searching for these things, whether we feel it or not. Our born-again spirit is hungry for these things. And he says, this is how God reveals them. And not just, let me say, say it this way, not just you know, a surface knowledge, but the deep things of God. See that? There are Christians out there that have said things like, well, you know, there's some parts of the Bible... We just can't understand. But that's not true. Because if we are searching out the deep things of God, then guess what? We can understand. And he says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Meaning, by myself, I cannot know these things that God is now readily revealing to humanity. Well, actually, they're recorded in Scripture, the New Testament. But, by myself, I cannot know these things. But I can know them by the Spirit of God. So, once again, what we're seeing here, two different ways of knowing things. By myself, and what I can do, or... By the Spirit of God, meaning my new nature, the Spirit, the born-again Spirit that is within me. And then he says, in verse 11, he says, now I've told you the only way that you can know these things is by the Spirit of God. Now, verse 12, we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So again, he's revealing here our spiritual potential to know these things and to understand these things. Something that tends to, um, you know, as people say, really, you know, well, that just grates on me, is when Christians, they say things like, "Well, you know, I'm too stupid. Well, I just really can't understand the Bible the way you do. I just can't really understand the Bible the way my pastor does. I just really can't. Okay, do you understand that when you say things like that, you're calling God a liar. In other words, you're saying you don't believe Him. You're saying that you think He's lied. Because if He says right here that God has given unto us His Spirit, the Spirit which is of God, so that... One of the reasons we have it is so that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. What are the things that are freely given to us of God? The verse 7, Wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom that God has ordained unto our glory. So therefore, if I start saying things like, well, I can never understand that. that. That's just way beyond me. I just can't. Okay, then you know what? You're saying, God, you didn't tell me the truth in this passage. Because... God's telling you right here, you can understand. Now granted, I know some people, uh, I was raised in church. So my whole life I've had kind of like a word foundation being presented to me. I understand that. Some people, maybe they just got born again two months ago. And they don't have a whole lifetime of being in church. I get that. But that doesn't change what God is saying right here. That when we get born again, He's given to us his spirit, and we have the potential to know these things. And he says, verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, I'm not going to go off on a tangent with this, but he's talking about praying in tongues here. He says, we speak these things in the words which man's, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Again, he's saying, he's revealing to you two methods of, of understanding and comprehending and thinking. He says, verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So then, obviously, the lost, they can't. I mean, look, even lost people can understand the Word of God to a point. But beyond that they don't have a they can't it's impossible because they do not have the spirit of God within which enables them to understand these things. But as far as Christians are concerned we can if we want try to get a hold of these things with our natural mind. Once you get born again, you know, you still can think however you want to think. And he says, but You know, if you do that, then a lot of what you're going to hear taught is going to seem foolishness unto you. And boy, howdy, have I encountered that over the years. People, Christians, who want to argue certain things without grasping what God is saying in His Word. And they're coming at it from that natural perspective. And he says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, for yet he himself is judged of no man for who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So then, in verse 15, um, let's present it a little differently. You know, the person that's born again has the potential to judge all things. Okay, what all things am I judging? Well, one of the all things that I can judge is what I'm hearing taught. Why is that? Because my spirit has the ability to understand and know the deep things of God. Not just the entry level, but the deep things of God. So therefore, if I am pressing into God, as he's describing in here, then I can sit and listen to a sermon, and I can spiritually discern if what I'm hearing is true or not. And then he tells us in verse 16 that we have The mind of Christ. Now, that word mind, it comes from the Greek word nous, or however you pronounce it, and it means mode of thinking, mode of understanding, intellect, uh, the potential for comprehension, a totally different mindset or totally different way of thinking. We have the way of thinking of Christ, we have the intellect of Christ. We have the, um, the ability to comprehend through spiritual analysis mind of Christ. I'm trying to present this in many different ways. But you don't have this if you're not born again. So then, from the mind of Christ, there are some things that, well, it's just logical. It just makes sense. <laughs> You know, to Jesus, it made sense to him that he was going to be able to walk on water. That didn't make sense to the, that, Well, I mean, even today, it's like, ah, come on now, I don't know about that. I went out to the swimming pool the other day, and I can guarantee you, <laughs> I could not walk on water. The point I'm making is this. When you think, when you utilize the mind of Christ Things that seem foolish, even to believers, make perfect, logical sense to you. Look over in Romans chapter 10. This, what I'm sharing with you here tonight, this is a major shortcoming, a, an area of great error within the body of Christ. That we do not utilize the mind of Christ the way that we should. In, uh, in Romans chapter 10, look at verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay, that's it. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What more does God need to say? So, to the mind of Christ, well, that's logical. Well, that makes sense. However, how many times have you heard Christians say things like, "Well, I went through, you know, the, this real problem, and boy, my faith really increased." No. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, Grandma got really sick, and and uh, through it all, well, we just trusted God, and our faith. You know, we, we really increased our faith. No, you didn't. You utilized whatever faith you had at that time. But faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Well, then you get over to Jude, and you see how that you build yourselves up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. But in you see, the whole thing about faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That makes perfect logical sense to the mind of Christ. Listen to Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And then in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 and verse 14, it says, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, the word that was with God before the beginning, and the Word that was made flesh. Are you following this? So see, to our born-again spirit, which possesses the mind of Christ, all of this makes sense. Our born-again spirit doesn't have a problem understanding this. Now, our born-again spirit is searching out the deep things of God. So when this kind of a truth is presented to the born-again spirit, the mind of Christ in our born-again spirit analyzes that, and there is, you know, like they say, the light goes off. <laughs> you know, It clicks. And the mind of Christ within us says, yeah, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. It doesn't come by sickness or disease or tragedy or disaster or bad things or, or good things. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God and then I build myself up on it by praying in tongues. Why well, does it make sense? I mean, that's logical. <laughs> But yet, you have a lot of Christians, they don't seem to accept that. So, that being the case, how can we say that our faith is increasing absent of the Word? Well, you can't. It's impossible. And yet, you've got Christians out there right now who immediately, just a few minutes into this sermon, would be disagreeing with me. Oh no, you don't understand. You don't know I okay, you show me in the Bible where God has said, and faith comes by broken legs. Faith comes by somebody you love dying. Faith comes by <clears throat> your house burning down. No, it doesn't say that. No, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Do you know? When you Read the Bible. Just read it. Internally, you're hearing those words. Do you realize that? There are some people who have said, unless the word is out loud spoken, like how I'm talking to you right now, well, then it doesn't count. No, because as you read it, okay, here's a way to think about it. It's kind of abstract, but as you read it, you're comprehending it, with your natural mind because it's in a language you understand so you're not reading it out loud you're just reading it but it's like your natural mind is reading it to your spiritual mind now I know that sounds kind of bizarre but I'm trying to get something across here when you read this internally you're hearing it if it had if there's if your faith could only come by virtue of the auditory response, then deaf people could never have faith. Get this? So therefore, when you read it, internally, the mind of Christ is hearing it. Faith is coming. And coming by the Word of God. That makes perfect, logical sense to the mind of Christ. Perfect, logical sense. Alright, now, in Romans chapter 6... Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also of his resurrection. Knowing this, really, of his resurrection life. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. In other words, holiness. (laughs) You know, God says, I'm holy, be holy. Okay, you realize that you're, you're born again spirit. You're, the mind of Christ is in absolute agreement with this. Total agreement. Meaning, there's no reason for you to ever sin again. Ever. You know, uh, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Well, we just saw here in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. The old man has passed away. That the body of sin might be destroyed. Ephesians 4.24 says that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The mind of Christ hears this and immediately understands and agrees with it. The mind of Christ knows this is true. It makes perfect logic to the mind of Christ. So, if if somebody says, I mean, there are a bunch of other verses we could talk about how that we've been made the righteousness of God and so forth, but you've got Christians out there who would say things like, well, I don't want to call myself righteous because I know how I am. Well, I don't know how you are, but if you're born again, I do know how you are. <laughs> because if you're truly born again, you're the righteousness of God. Oh, I don't want to call myself that. But that's, this is what God is calling you. So what happens is this. When you start going off on those kind of tangents, I don't want to call myself righteous. You pull Scripture out of context and so forth. Then what you're doing, you're, it's like you're arguing with the mind of Christ. And if you keep doing that, you can sear your conscience. And you can, get, you can get to the point to where you've taken the mind of Christ, if you will, and slammed it into a closet, and you just go about believing whatever you want to believe. When God says in His Word that we no longer have to sin, is He lying? It, or is He telling the truth? Now, if He is telling the truth, well then, we don't have to sin. Our problem is not believing God. It's not not allowing the mind of Christ in us to dominate our thought pattern concerning our potential to commit sin. That we're not dominated by sin anymore. And that, yes, in the flesh we do have the potential, but we don't have to do it. We don't have to commit sin anymore. And you know, a lot of Christians they just want to talk in fact, you know, you've you've got people out there training Christians to ignore the mind of Christ, ignore you know, and sear their conscience by telling them, Well, you know, the grace of God is such to where you don't have to repent anymore. They're training people to sear their conscience. They're training people to start walking a path straight to hell. But the mind of Christ does not come into agreement with that. Because it's the mind of Christ, the mentality of Christ, the Christ way of thinking. That comes along with your new nature. It's just a part of it. So then we have the ability to analyze from that perspective. Look over in First Timothy, chapter 5. And I can tell you right now, this next one is going to mess up a whole lot of people. First Timothy, chapter 5. Now look at this. But Paul is writing this to Timothy. Now, who was Timothy? Timothy was younger than Paul, but Timothy—he—he he not only heard what Paul taught, he did what he heard, and uh, he was—he was, he was an, an apostle. He, in other words, he was right up there. He—he he knew everything that Paul knew. Paul knew that Timothy understood everything that he understood because when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he said, well, I'm going to send Timothy to you because he understands, I'm paraphrasing, he understands everything that I understand. He understands everything that I teach in every church wherever I go. So that tells us where Timothy is spiritually. All right. Now Paul's writing this to him, and in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, look at this. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine, for thy stomach's sake, and thine often infirmities. <laughs> now think about that. What's he doing? This is incredible. God allowed this to be included in Scripture. Why would he do that? Well, there's a reason. What we're seeing in here is the Apostle Paul passing along to Timothy wisdom... Concerning his choices as they pertain to his physical existence. Do you see that? There's nothing, there's no, (laughs) there's not a secret code in this, all right? It means exactly what it says. And so he says, Drink a little wine for your stomach's sake and your often infirmities. The word infirmities, it means exactly what you would think. Physical issues. And the word often means exactly what it says. Frequent. So what what Paul is telling us about Timothy, Timothy is battling some kind of internal something. And we're not really clear what it is. But it's something. And the Apostle Paul says, now listen to me, here is how you can treat this, but here is how you can also help prevent this. Do you see that? that? I'm not making this up. It's right there. He says, use a little wine. Now, granted, you're going to have some Christians, they're going to say, ooh, boy, you know what? My stomach, yeah, I've been... Yeah, I'm, <laughs> where, where do I get this wine? No, no, no! You know you're always going to have weirdos who want to just use Scripture. You know, over there in Genesis, where God talks about, you know, I've given you every herb and so forth. You got pot-smoking Christians that want to justify smoking the pot because of that verse. Stupid! Yeah, stupid. That's not what that means. Come on. Okay, moving right along here. <laughs> okay, now. I don't want to get people mad at me. It happens anyway. But, do you realize what he's saying here? He's saying, Timothy, if you don't do something, you have the potential to contract another episode of this battle that's been going on in your body. Notice what he doesn't say in this. Listen to me. He doesn't say, now Timothy, remember, you need to confess your healing scriptures ten times a day. It's not in there. (laughs) Am I coming against confession of healing scriptures? Absolutely not. The point I'm making is this. There are times we need to take action in the natural to prevent sickness and disease. I don't know how many of you are catching on here. So I'll just go ahead and say it. This whole thing about the vaccine, you have a bunch of fools out there who do not know how to think with the mind of Christ when it comes to this. I've said before from this pulpit, and I'm saying it again, you don't want to take the vaccine, don't. It's totally up to you. Totally up to you. But these people out there who are saying the vaccine doesn't do anything, they're fools. Because the medical reports, and I'm not going to hammer on this one, the vaccine helps, whether you want to believe it or not. The vaccine helps. But if you don't want to take it, it's honestly, I'm not casting stones. But don't you cast stones. But, now hear me. Hear me out the impression I'm getting based on what I have heard people say and what I have read that people have posted is this. Well, that vaccine, no, I'm not taking that vaccine. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Blah, 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 and on and on it goes. I have yet to hear anybody from that side of the fence talk just as strongly about the Word of God and healing, and protection. Now here's what I'm getting at. If you don't want to take the vaccine, then don't take the vaccine. Just don't. However, if you don't take it, and you don't do do anything with the Word of God to increase your immunity, then you know what? If you get sick, I'll still pray for you. But don't start questioning God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And once again, I want to make this very clear. I am not saying you have to take the vaccine. But don't just assume, look, guys, whether you want to believe it or not, the whole thing of the COVID stuff, it's real. People are very sick. I personally know people who have died from it. They didn't get vaccinated. But you know what? Again, that's between you and God. But if you're not going to take it, You need to do something to help yourself rebuke that from attacking your body. And the whole thing of the mask, you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. That's up to you. I mean, hopefully they don't come back later on and say, okay, everybody got to wear a mask. I hope they don't. The point I'm getting is what we see right here in Scripture is that we have an example of somebody who had super faith <laughs> telling another person to, to do something in the natural to deal with a physical something and to prevent it from coming back. Do you, do you see that, honestly? Do you really see this? Because, listen, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51-53, through 53, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. In other words, what God's telling you right here, in His Word, is this. Your body is not infallible. Your body is corruptible. Your body is um it's mortal and it has the potential to contract diseases and all kinds of stuff that could kill you but the day's coming you're going to have a new body okay but between now and then we need to use mind of Christ wisdom and logic when it comes to how we address the physical stuff because it's a reality. It, It's there. And a lot of Christians, man, it's weird. It's almost like they've got their head buried in the sand and want to deny that these things exist. <clears throat> but they do exist. And and this example right here of Paul telling Timothy what to do, well, you know, you translate that to now. And, and I'm not going to tell you that Paul would write and to my son Timothy, get the vaccine. I'm not going to, he might, I don't know. I don't know what he would do. But I know this. We're foolish if we choose not to use medically proven protection and then completely ignore what the Word of God has to say. Look, it's possible to live with that level of faith and not get sick, ever. It really is. But, you can't just sit around and do nothing and expect that... Okay, boy. See, here's the thing. And this is my experience. Totally my experience. may not be yours. But the people that squawk the most that are anti-vaccine, from what I see... On, on postings, some of these people, I know for a fact they are not walking in the faith they think they are. Well, how do you know that? Based on other things that they say and post. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and the fingers type. <laughs> And people reveal what's going on inside them. And so, yeah, it's easy to tell when a person's really walking at that level of faith. And the people that are really, truly, truly, truly walking at that level of faith, they're not going to get on social media and, and get into the fray of the debate. We've got to move on here, but the point I'm making is this. We have scriptural proof that using a natural something to deal with a physical something... It's of God. Because Paul would never have told Timothy to do this if it wasn't the right thing to do. Now, look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And just read verse 26 and and, uh, 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, that makes perfect logical sense to the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ knows that the natural mind of man is, Does not know these things and cannot know these things outside spiritual revelation. And so, therefore, since the Holy Spirit, you you can go over, we're not going to go there, but in John 14 and John 16, Jesus revealed the Holy Spirit's going to be the individual assigned to be your personal spiritual teacher. And then we see, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2 He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. So this takes us back then to 1 Corinthians 2, where he talked about the mysteries being revealed to us on a spiritual level, and we speak not you know, the wisdom, you know, man's words, but the words the Holy Ghost teacheth. Well, here we see That as we're praying in tongues, we're not in communication with humans, we're in communication with God. Our spirit is in communication with God, and we're praying out these mysteries. In verse 4 it says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. In verse 14 it says, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. So here I see that spiritually... I am in direct communication with God, and the mind of Christ is saying, well, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when you pray in tongues, obviously. You know, you're not using your own language. You're using the language that comes from God, administered by the Holy Spirit, so that you can pray out these mysteries and, and be edified in the process. The mind of Christ agrees with this. But yet you have churches, and yeah, even in, entire denominations are going to tell you, no, that's not for today. <laughs> Well, how do you you're calling God a liar? Because if God says this in his word, then it works. There's no other way to get around that. So if I pray in tongues, this is happening and my mind, my the mind of Christ is receiving that which it has been searching for this teaching, this knowledge, this understanding, the hidden wisdom and so forth. These mysteries. And the mind of Christ is saying, yeah, this makes all the sense in the world to me. But the natural mind, you know, wants to put up a fuss and an argument. That's one of the reasons why it's so hard for some people to start speaking in tongues because, you know, I lead in a prayer and they pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you guys know how I do it. I give all these step-by-step instructions and then they're standing there trying to analyze this with their natural mind. I've even been asked, okay, so what do I say? <laughs> well, were you not listening to me. You just begin to, yeah, but I know, but what do I say? What do I, I was, uh, Gary Carpenter and I were one time asked to record us praying in tongues so that the recording could be given to people and they'd know what to do. It's like, that doesn't work that way. No, it's as the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives you the utterance. But see, this makes perfect sense. Praying in tongues makes perfect sense to the mind of Christ. In Matthew chapter 21, turn over there. Matthew chapter 21. And just, um, verse. well, look at verse 16. Jesus says, Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Now, I'm not going to, don't have time to go into all that, but the mouth of babes and sucklings, what he's talking about is people who are newly born again, praise and worship is the one thing that is perfected in them instantly. Listen to this John chapter 4, 23 and 24. Jesus said, But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So God's looking for people who will worship Him out of their born-again spirit. And Jesus says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, praise has been perfected. So the moment somebody gets born again, one of the most critical things that you can do is begin to encourage them to praise and worship God. Because it's coming out of their heart be you know focus on the Lord and just praise him and worship him focus on the words that, that are being sung during the, the the praise and worship time you know poured out of your heart because when it comes out of your heart God is saying right here it is perfected or it is mature even if you've just been born again fifteen minutes if you're praising God it is mature it is perfected now see the mind of Christ in us well that makes perfect sense you know this is what god is looking for yeah this is what i need to give him so opening my mouth and doing this and then you go back and read in the psalms over and over and over again you know i'll praise you in the congregation and you know i'll praise you here and i'll worship you there and so over and over and over again And you go back and you read all of those in the in the book of Psalms, and the mind of Christ is saying, Yeah, yeah, you see there, you see their natural mind? Do you see that natural mind? This is the right. This is the thing you should be doing. This is what needs to go on. Now, natural mind, submit to me. Let me govern this. Because if you let me govern it, listen, if you let the mind of Christ govern it, you will be a praiser. And you will worship if you let the mind of Christ govern it. But see, this all of this that I'm sharing here tonight, this whole aspect of the, the mind of Christ logic, that goes right along with healings, miracles, gifts of the Spirit. I mean, on and on it goes. It all makes perfect, logical sense to the mind of Christ. But it's our natural mind, which sometimes has been corrupted by an erroneous religious background and teaching that drills it into us that no this isn't right no this isn't for today no this is not you know we had somebody here at the church you know several years ago who they attended for quite some time and they would hear these things that I'm teaching and one day this person wanted to you know can I meet with you and said yeah okay so in the conversation this person looks at me looks right at me and says all these sermons all these things that you teach I see it in the word. I see what you're what you're teaching. And I and I can't come against it. I cannot say it's wrong. However, that's not how I was raised to believe. Because in the church I used to attend, here's what we believed. So this person is telling me I cannot refute what you're teaching. I see it in the Word of God. And yet that person overrode the mind of Christ with the natural mind and then that person left the church. I, you, you want to talk about being mystified. <laughs> it's like, Wait a minute, you agree with me? And you're leaving because of it? This doesn't make any sense. But the person was nice. Nice about the whole thing. I just can't get past. I just can't. No, you know what? You're overriding the mind of Christ. Now, that brings up some questions. Look in Proverbs chapter 3. All of this brings up, you know, okay, I want the mind of Christ to dominate. Well, look here. Let's look at a few things. In in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. See that? We have the ability to understand things from the natural mind. And he says, trust in the Lord. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Another way to say that relative to tonight. In all your ways, acknowledge the mind of Christ, and He shall direct your paths. Because if you try to keep analyzing things with the natural mind, then the paths... God wants to lead you on, oftentimes are not going to make sense. Well, no, I just don't, I don't think that's the thing I should do. And the mind of Christ is saying, but wait a minute. You've been asking God for direction. He's giving it to you. I, the mind of Christ, am in agreement with what He's revealed to you, but you're going with your natural mind. Well, look over in Romans. Romans, chapter 12. And some of you already know what What verse we're going to read? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. In other words, don't remain conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Experience a metamorphosis by renewing, replacing the old with the new of your mind, your mindset, your way of thinking, that ye may prove. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? I heard so many sermons about this over the years and it was, okay, we need to, to try to understand what is the good will of God? What is the acceptable, what is the perfect will of God? Well, the thing is, it doesn't ma- how, how are you going to know that if you aren't transformed by the renewing of your mind? See what I'm getting at? The focus is trying to discern good, acceptable, and perfect, but leaving out the most critical part, which is being transformed by the renewing of your thought process. Being transformed away from constantly relying on the natural mind to relying on the mind of Christ within. And he says, now when you do this, you're going to get to the point of being able to prove, comprehend, understand, truly know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So so many people... Christians have said things like, well, how do I know the will of God? How I want to know the will of God for my life? Like, Okay, well, you know what? Why don't you read this verse right here? Because this is telling you how to get on that path to knowing the will of God. Look in Ephesians chapter 4. Well, in fact, I'll tell you what, I'll just read Ephesians 4, 4.23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So what we're seeing here in all of this is, Don't lean to your own understanding. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. A shift in the way that we think. A shift in the way that we interpret our life's circumstances. Our life's challenges. How do we do that? Well, here is a verse that sums it up. Psalm 119, verse 1.30, one thirty, the entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. This is one of the reasons why getting into the word of God, it's not simply or it's not only a matter of faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but the word of God is a revelation of the mind of God. And so therefore, the more that we get the Word in us, the more that we put it in, both by reading and by listening to the recordings of Scripture, You know, while you're driving around, listening to it, or however you want to do it. Okay, God's Word is being put in. The entrance of His words give light, and it gives understanding unto the simple. That word simple, just think in terms of the unknowledgeable, those who don't yet know. So the more that we're putting the Word in us, is the more that we are working on transforming the way that we think. Renewing the spirit of our mind, if you will. The more that we do that, and then obviously, you know, you throw in praying in tongues, you know, you're you're boosting this whole process. But the more that we do this, is the more that such things as, yeah, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. And see, you don't even have to focus on the healing scriptures. Because God's words are spirit, and they are life. So therefore, you just keep putting the word in, putting the word in, putting the word in, keep putting the word in, and the way you think is going to begin to change it's going to begin to go, you go through that transformation process so that you start analyzing things more from the mind of Christ and that logic than you do from natural logic. You know, when, if you go through and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are times you can tell where the apostles, they weren't really sure about some of the decisions Jesus made. But yet, to Jesus, it made perfect sense because, well, this is what, you know, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. And so he says, all right, well, we're going to do this. And, you know, well, the whole thing about Lazarus, remember that? He says, all right, well, let's go back. And they said, well, now, wait a second, Jesus. <laughs> they just tried to kill you. And Jesus, he, you know, he tried to blow that off. He goes, no, nah, listen. And then Thomas, you know, natural mind thinking, you know, let us go with him so that we can die with him. Okay. <laughs> Of course, he didn't have the mind of Christ anyway, but you understand. The more that we get the Word in us is the more that the mind of Christ will begin to dominate our analyzing of situations, our rationale. And eventually what happens is a lot of the things that we would have thought made, make perfect sense, we now realize, I don't need to be acting on that. I need to hold off. Or I don't need to do it at all. Oh, you'll take criticism because Christians who are still operating by the natural mind, they're going to be challenged by you operating by the mind of Christ. That's just the way it was with Jesus. He obviously had the mind of Christ. (laughs) And there were people that challenged him. Guys, look. Human logic... I mean, there are a lot of things you can do with human logic that are going to work out. You know, well, my pencil's dull. I wonder what I should do. How about sharpen it? Oh, yeah. That makes sense. You know, my car. the The needle is on E. Hmm. I wonder, should I get gas? Yes. Get gas. All right? Go get gas. There are things that we can do in this life that just... It's just, yeah, you know things, people like a no-brainer? Okay, there are some things that are no-brainers, you just do them. But when it comes to living in this world as a Christian, we have to be governed by the mind of Christ. And it's a process. But the more that we put the Word in us, the more that process develops, and the more that we live by mind of Christ logic in everything that we do. So guys, listen, be encouraged. You know, the, the uh, assignments, the Scripture reading assignments, you know, do your best to get those in. Listen to the Word. Listen to the recordings of it. Change is happening in you when you do this. Even if you don't feel it, it's happening. And you are being transformed. Glory to God. That is encouraging.